0: hello everybody and welcome to the starting small music podcast i'm your host justin mccormick and today we have a very special guest artist and songwriter marielle Kraft. since leaving her full-time job as a teacher to pursue music marielle has quickly made strides in the music industry touring all across the country to releasing several successful singles including my favorite second coffee which she's going to tell you guys the story of how she wrote it right now coming up in this interview i hope you guys enjoy and we'll see you at the end Hello everybody and welcome to the Starting Small Music Podcast. Today we have singer-songwriter Mario Kraft with us. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, how are you doing? I'm doing real good. So uh, I like to get it started right at the beginning of your life. Uh, even before you started playing music yourself, who were some of the first artists that you really remember resonating with their music and kind of connecting with them?
1: Absolutely. Um, of course, number one, Taylor Swift. That's the reason why I started playing guitar and writing songs. Definitely Taylor. But I also really, really loved Colby Calais growing up, like through middle school and high school. Her breakthrough album is like still one of my faves of all time. And of course, the continuum album by John Mayer is like top-notch. Um, and I don't know, I guess probably like in sync when I was like really, really little. Um, uh-huh. but I but definitely number one is Taylor.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So did you grow up in a music family or uh, like, was anyone playing instruments around you when you were growing up?
1: Actually, no, my family's not really musical. They love music, but they don't play, they don't really sing. Um, and I feel like a little bit of an anomaly in that way, but I started taking, I took like two guitar lessons in eighth grade. Cause I, at 13 is when I got my first guitar. Gotcha. Um, after I saw Taylor Swift in concert at 13, I was like, I need to do this. Um, and so I took two guitar lessons and hated it. Did not want to build calluses on my finger, did not want to practice. Um, and so I kind of didn't really pursue it until I turned about 16. And I met some friends in high school who were really good. And I was like, okay, I want to hang out with them. I should probably get a little better. So that's kind of where I learned how to play was with friends rather than family.
0: So and, um. I- you, yeah, you know, yeah, so you picked up the guitar around sixteen, uh like did you was there a process of like just learning the guitar, or were you always a uh, like a big lyricist from the beginning, like were you always kind of like writing poems and putting melodies to the chords you were playing as well?
1: I always enjoyed singing, I knew that I could carry a tune, but I didn't ever consider myself like a singer. I just thought it was like fun to sing in the shower and in my car um I enjoyed writing. English was my favorite subject in school. And like essay writing was a strong suit of mine, but I never really tried to like write real songs. You know, I, I, I remember actually the first song I probably wrote was (laughs) freshman year of high school. I'm actually just remembering this. We had to, we had to memorize the preamble of the constitution. Oh yeah. And I remember that I put it to a tune to like, try to remember it. And I guess that was kind of the first time that I really like. Sat down to write words to music, but it was tragic. I mean, I would never release that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's really funny that you mentioned that because I tell people all the time that's what I did growing up in school. Like, just putting us like melodies to like, that's the only way I can memorize things. Like, even the human body, I remember. So that's that's really funny that we share that.
1: Yeah. So funny. (laughs) And honestly, it really helps. Like, I ended up becoming a teacher. And in my classroom, I would use the same strategy with my students and they would honestly like latch onto it. It was great
0: wow so during high school were you just playing in private a lot or with your friend group did you guys kind of play out around town or anything like that
1: they would play out a little bit I only did it really my senior year I like knew honestly six chords so I would have to like only play the songs that I could feel confident in knowing like really Taylor Swift and John Mayer songs if we're being real Mm -hmm. um but mostly it was just like in their houses in their basements stuff like that we would just like jam and really mostly jamming would be like me jumping in sometimes on four chords and otherwise like sort of just singing because they would shred. I mean, they were like really good. Um, but, but yeah, it just, it just put me around music, which was so important for me at that age.
0: So leaving high school, you uh, went on to, like you said, uh, you went to school to be a teacher and went on to be a professional teacher for a while going through school. Like, were you still playing music and could you have even, even said like your freshman year of high school, would you think you'd be doing music like professionally, like you are now?
1: Probably not, no. And a lot of them are doing it professionally, which is very cool. We're kind of all doing it now. Um, but yeah, in college was really when I started actually writing songs. Um, I was an elementary education and English major. So I was doing a lot more writing. Um, And for me, that started translating into writing songs because, you know, college, you're going through so much change. I had my first serious relationships in college. I was away from home. I was studying abroad, all these things I was trying to process. And so songwriting just sort of became a part of that process for me. Um, Really, it was just me playing for my roommates and, like, my dorm mates. Um, It was never something I was pursuing as a career at all. Um, But it was something I really enjoyed. And so I just kind of sat in that. um, And then it took off after actually post-grad, like, while I was teaching.
0: Gotcha. So what made you uh, leave your job as a teacher and, like, come to Nashville to pursue music? Was there, like, a certain instance that, like, totally comes to mind?
1: Yeah, actually, um, there's this fundraiser dance marathon. Have you ever heard of THON at Penn State or yeah, there, yeah, like kind of like those like 12 to 36 hour like marathons where students are raising money for cancer research during that time? So yeah. Delaware has their own version of that called Dance, mm-hmm. And I played that a bunch um, while I was a student and have played it a few years since graduating where basically at the stadium, they like have this 12 hour dance marathon. They have performers all throughout the day and like different events and stuff like that and so when i graduated i had put out two of my own songs that year and so when i was asked to play at u dance i played one of my own songs that year it was called test drive and i taught the audience the call and response chorus of test drive and there were like five thousand people in the stadium at the time and that's the biggest crowd i've ever played to still Mm -hmm. um and i was like up there with just my guitar and i was like okay i wrote this song let's see how it goes. And, um, and 5,000 people like saying it back to me after I taught them. And that feeling, that rush was like the most incredible feeling I've ever felt. And I was like, wow, I have to go back to the classroom tomorrow to teach grammar. This is so humbling. Um, but for me like that, just having experienced that rush and that feeling and that like, honestly, like adrenaline of words that I wrote, people singing back to me I wanted to chase that as long as I could Um, and so that planted the seed that was March of 2018 and so I finished out that school year till June and that's when I decided to pivot from teaching to doing music full-time.
0: Wow. So also in 2018, I saw that you actually did a TEDx talk, like, and this is such as the start of your career, and you were already very uh, into, like, staying true and writing, like, honest lyrics, and you gave your speech about that. Can you talk about what it was like to give a TED talk?
1: That was such an honor. I've watched TED talks my whole life. Um, yeah, me So too. I was asked to do a TED talk at Firefly Music Festival um, that, that summer, and um, yeah, I gave a TED talk just about why I think the artists that resonate the longest in their careers are the ones that write most authentically to their lives. You know, people like Taylor Swift, like Julia Michaels, you know, these people who are like Joni Mitchell, who are like so true to their own story and why I think artists should lean into that more and why I lean into that more. Um, And yeah, it was honestly, it was such an honor and it's still something that I'm really proud of and still a video that people find and they're like, wait, tell me about this, you know? So it was a really cool thing to put on my resume.
0: Totally. And you're talking about a lot of like artists and writers that really stay true to themselves. And I think uh, you're talking about John Mayer. And it's really funny to me because when I first heard your song, Second Coffee, I thought that was such a cool, clever lyric like John would use. It kind of is like a his lyric, I still keep your shampoo in the shower in case you want to wash your hair. That's When I first heard Second Coffee, that's what I uh, thought about. So it's really cool now hearing that John is like uh, a big influence to you. And I've heard uh, in another interview, you tell the story of Second Coffee, but could you tell it again for our listeners? Because I think it's a really cool story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I moved to Nashville just over a year ago from Delaware, and um, I was going into my favorite coffee shop called Haha ha, the day I was moving. Um, I went in, I got my favorite drink. And I'm leaving to move to Nashville that day. And my ex walked in Um, and we hadn't seen or spoken since the breakup, like almost a year prior. And so we didn't really talk, Um, but my ex walked out with two coffee cups and that was the coffee shop that we spent so much of our relationship building there. Um, Usually we would go on Sunday mornings. It happened to also be a Sunday morning and my ex is walking out with two cups. Obviously one is not for me. Um, And so that was my last impression of Delaware. And so basically like I drove the 12 hours to Nashville kind of formulated that concept in my head. And like, it just like really sent me a little bit into a spiral, not in a way that I was like missing my ex but more in a way of like, wow, it's so crazy how one small observation can trigger so many questions and theories. Um, And so in my first songwriting session the next day in Nashville, um, I wrote, second coffee with my friend Hera and we liked it that day we were like oh that's really cool it's really clever but it wasn't until TikTok really took it by storm that I realized it was something really clever and special that I needed to put out Um, and so it's kind of funny how other people sometimes their reactions can convince you that the song might be worth something more than you initially thought and I put it out last July and it's been like a crowd favorite ever since
0: Wow, for sure. And I mean, I think that like ever since you started your career, you've really been one of the, a road warrior from the beginning. You just got off a, a close to twenty city tour with uh, your friend Scout the band. What what was uh, what can you take from that huge tour you just did? And we also want to know what city had the best iced coffee in your opinion.
1: Ah, oh, that's actually a really good question. Um, probably Chicago. There was a really good coffee shop there. That's a kind of a hostel slash coffee shop called Freehand. Highly Absolutely. recommend. <laughs> Um, (laughs) yes. Uh, And also in Atlanta, there's this one called Star Provisions that the person who worked the door at Eddie's attic at the gig was the barista. And so like she hooked us up the next day. Anyway,
0: they're about to send you some free coffee now.
1: I know. I'm like, yo, send it (laughs) out. Um, No, the the tour was amazing. And it just reiterates for me, every time I'm out on the road playing these songs for real people in person, it just reiterates that there's nothing that can actually replicate that feeling of being in person in the same space, sharing music together than, you know, doing it over the internet. It's just not the same. And there are different rushes associated with being on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube because you get like, you know, your reach is so infinite. There's millions of people who can find you, but there's something so insanely special about being in a room of 75 or a hundred. And they, you can see their eyes, you can see their body language as they react to their song. You can see the way they light up when you sing a certain lyric or sing it back to you. And for me, like, that is why I do it, you know? Like the views are fun, like the the social media is fun, but the reason I'm doing that is to get them in a room to experience that together on tour. And I've started mm-hmm. to see that happen on tours um, in a very small, like trickling way, but almost every single show in terms of these 20 shows I just played, at least one or two people came because they found me on TikTok, which just speaks to the power of TikTok. I mean, when you think about it mathematically, like millions of people and then two are coming in Ann Arbor that's not a good ratio but TikTok is so passive and we scroll so quickly and barely remember anything we see so the fact that there are two people in Ann Arbor who liked my music went to my website clicked the link put it on their calendar bought a ticket came to the show bought a friend bought merch that for me is crazy yeah it's a huge deal it was really really cool to see you know the tangible results of the, what I've been putting in off the road is being seen on the road as well. And that's just, I'm really proud of what I've continued to build and I'm so grateful that people are showing up. It's so cool.
0: And I think that you have such a special relationship with your fans that it's almost like a friendship. Uh, I've never seen any other artists. Uh You wrote how many uh, thank you notes out to your top Spotify <laughs> listeners last year? How, do you know the number? Um,
1: I do. It was 184.
0: <laughs> wow. And you also hand-tied out your merch too. So what, like, how did you, uh, did you know from the beginning that you were going to have like such a close bond with your fan base? And uh, how do you keep that going? That takes a lot of work.
1: Yeah, it does. But I, I love it. I mean, I think because my like, quote unquote, fan base started as just my friends for so long while I was teaching, when I first got out of teaching, it was all people that I knew personally. I felt like I needed to continue to build our friendship that wasn't just in the context of my music. I feel like it's really easy to just like only call up a friend when you want them to come to your show. And like that, they they notice right away that it becomes transactional. And so for me, like I tried to really invest in my friendships outside of just my career, even though I did need them to show up to my shows, I wanted them to know that I valued them outside of that. And so that, you know, as, as people started following me more, I just sort of translated the way I treat my friends to them as well because it just sort of felt like it was just becoming a bigger friend group rather than like friends and fans. It was just kind of all a conglomerate of the same kind of friendship. Um, And it's been really cool because I do know people personally, you know, like in Indiana, I met some people for the first time who I've been being um, pen pals with. Like we started writing letters over the mail to each other throughout the pandemic. And I know like about their dogs and about their job and about where they travel. And so when I met Kim in person, I was like, Kim, my gosh, like, how are the dogs doing? Like, how, how is this, like, how's your favorite coffee shop? You know, like, it was like, we actually were already friends. And that for me, like, is so fulfilling because it makes the music mean more to them. And it makes me feel like there's actual people listening rather than just numbers. And the the effort for me is so worth it because it makes it personal.
0: Yeah, that's really special. So we like to close out the interview with what your advice would be to like a younger version of yourself, maybe someone that's going to be doing what you're doing 10, 10 to 15 years from now. And even uh, kind of going off that too, you have over 63,000 followers on TikTok and have had a couple go over a million views. Do you have any advice for TikTok as well to like the aspiring artists out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, the only advice that I can give myself about that and to other people is that you can't be so precious with what you post i think that a lot of times people over edit or over like over record trying to get that perfect 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 take but the videos that have done the best for me are the ones where i like had 10 minutes to film it in my bedroom i grabbed my guitar i sang like a like an imperfect verse and put it up because that authenticity and that rawness is what tiktok loves so just post you know there's really nothing to lose just put it up Um, And someone's gonna find it. So that's my TikTok advice. My advice to my younger self is probably don't be afraid to build the calluses at 13. Just do it, you know? Like nobody's gonna do it for you. So go stick with guitar lessons, try things out. Don't be afraid to show other people your work. You're never gonna be good the first time you do something. So get all that out of the way and then get all the practicing out of the way. So that you can really find your voice um i wish i had started earlier but i don't regret it i think i my journey is exactly what it should have been um but i do wonder like oh if i had really taken it seriously from 13 where could i be now um so yeah if you want to do something start trying and don't be afraid that it's hard you know when it gets hard that means it's working
0: well guys there you have it my conversation with Maryelle craft Mariel, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone, go follow her on Instagram, at Mario Craft, and go stream her new single, Shrink, out right now. We've talked a lot about coffee in this interview, so I want to give a big shout-out to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee of starting small music. Go check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. And make sure to come back next week to hear my interview with hit songwriter and one-third of the band Track 45, Ben Johnson. Check out starting small music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews and also give starting small music a follow on Instagram at starting small music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember everyone starts small.